This is Grilled by the Staff Canteen, and in this episode, which is in association with Essential Cuisine, Deputy Editor Tanny went to the capital in Knightsbridge to talk to Adam Simmons. He took over in May um, this year after Nathan Outlaw left, and he had hoped to open his own place, but after struggling to find investors, he took on his new role. He talks to Tanny about seasonality, his approach to menu design, and how he's trying to get young people working in kitchens. Hi everyone, we are here at the Capitol with the newly appointed chef, Adam Simmons, and we're here to talk about his dishes, his new appointment, and what he likes to cook at the Capitol. So, having joined the Capitol recently in May, uh, you're following in the footsteps of some notable chefs, Brian Turner, Eric Chavot, Gary Rhodes, Paul Merritt, Nathan Outlaw. How does it feel to follow in the footsteps, footsteps of such great chefs? Yeah, I think I think it's it's uh, an honour as well as a, a privilege to be here to follow in their footsteps, um, and hopefully we can emulate what they had um, and further. And so, uh, until recently, you were planning on opening your own restaurant. Yeah. Why the change of direction? I think the change of direction. Uh, it, it, was due to the fact that it's so difficult to raise finances or funds, you know, to find investors. And the, and the market's so volatile at the moment, there's so many restaurants closing um, that it just didn't stack up yeah. in the long run. So I pulled the plug on it, and that's why I'm here today. Yeah. We spoke to um, Ben Tish recently, who said the same. He's obviously recently yeah. joined the Stafford, and the, the, the climate at the moment doesn't really lend itself well to, to opening your own restaurant. But It's, it's tough. You know, obviously I had the pop-up, um, and that was that was a tough gig for so many so many different reasons, um, and you learn a lot about yourself in those situations, and it just didn't. It just wasn't. Although I tried to, it, or it, the purpose of it was to raise investment for the permanent site, but it never materialised. You know, and it was a lot of work to try and find investors and the and people that showed interest in investing. You know, to try and get them across the line was just so tough because it didn't stack up for them either, yeah. you know, from a viable business. So, rightly so, you know, people weren't investing. Yeah. Do you think it's difficult to find investors that are in line with what your vision is for a restaurant? I think investors for a standalone restaurant, such as the one I was going to do, it, it makes it tough, you know, because there's not much, there's not much leeway in it and the costs are, are massive. Yeah, you know the refurb, the site, rent rate, you know staffing now, food, the whole thing. It it's just escalating into something that is just not a viable thing for individual investors to invest in a in a small private run restaurant, so to speak. Yeah, must have been quite heartbreaking having to let go of that. I think the realization was once I came to the realization that it wasn't going to happen, and I I'd, I'd done everything I could. Then ultimately you have to you have to accept it, you know, and, and you move on. And that's what I've done here, you know. I'm very fortunate to be here. Yeah. And delighted to be here at the same time. So it's good. Yeah. So you've been here for a few months now. How have you appropriated the sort of food offering here? Um we we've changed you know, obviously following in the footsteps of Nathan was was primarily fish. So we've changed a lot as far as the room service bar. Um, the restaurant menus now changed breakfast so we re-looked at the whole F&B offering here uh, the, the small private function rooms that we have here we've we've changed you know we've changed the menu so it suits myself 
or my cooking style, obviously, and what the expectations of the clientele are. Yeah. You know, it was understanding the ex- uh, it was understanding the the clientele that we have here, yeah, and then working a menu around that to a certain degree. So, in a sense, do you find that there are constraints in working in hotels in terms of what you can portray of your own style? I don't think there's constraints as such. There's, uh, you know, you have to look at the. It's quite an older clientele here at the moment. Um, so we put sweetbreads on the menu. Yeah, that's aimed at the older clientele because the younger generation don't really go for that type of thing, whereas the older ones do. So we've looked that in that, but it's in the style, and you know, it's innovative and it's uh, original and modern in its approach as far as the dishes put together. Um, and the comments that we're getting are brilliant, you know. Great. So, so how would you describe your food here? Still the same modern European, you yeah. know, twists of, you know, although it has, I have simplified it. Um, and there's a number of reasons why I've done that. Um, but it's better for the food of, of what's on the plate, you know, rather than trying to do 15, 20 things. As we've all done in the past, it's now about simplicity. Yeah. Having worked at Le Manoir, you learn a lot about seasonality and that's become a big part of your own style. Mm-hmm. How do you, does that reflect on the menu here? I think seasonality is, is huge because, one, from cost and two, from the perspective of flavour on the plate. Um, so we, we, the manoir was a finishing school for me and it was about understanding how to get the best out of a, a product, yeah. how you cook it, treat it, do whatever you do to it, but get the best out of it. And that's very much the ethos that we work to here, is that we look at it and we may cook something two or three different ways to see how what's the best way to get the flavour out of it, texture, whatever the case may be. Yeah. And in terms of suppliers, it must be quite different working in a hotel as to elsewhere. How do you choose your suppliers? Do you have free reign on that? Yeah, you know, I have complete free reign on the suppliers. You know, we there's suppliers that I've worked with in the past... Um, and the understanding that we have if I phone for something then they know exactly what I need so in that respect it makes my life a lot easier yeah and in terms of you know you've defined your style over time how else would you say that you know you came to the point that you are today what else sort of where else did you draw your influences I think the style's changed again it comes down to the simplicity you know and there's a lot of contributing factors staff costs yeah or staff food the cost of food you know all of that has has probably had an influence in it not that I really um would say that's the massive influence but it's it's had a it has definitely had an influence as far as the simplicity side of it's concerned um because you can't you know the hours that the guys work that all of it rolls into one um so you can't the more you do, the more the, you know the cost goes up, or the more complex the dish is, and the harder it becomes to get it out. You know, then the guest waits, and you know the whole thing becomes a, a, an absolute nightmare. Mm. It's interesting what you said about um, stuff. So the aspect of simplicity means that you don't have to drive them too hard, and that actually, so like, do you think that that's something that that justifies why that's become more of a, a thing in, in restaurants around the country? that 
thinking about stripping down your food? I think it's you know there's less there's less leeway for mistakes to happen. Yeah. Come service, there's less mise en place for the guys to do. Um, but ultimately, what you get by doing that is do you get a clarity of flavours on the plate? Yeah. And also the guys, you know, it's important that we look after, or the industry looks after, the staff. You know, yes, we all know that it's it's a tough industry for hours and. You know all those bits and pieces, but I think as an industry now we need to look at that. Um, and eventually, I'd like to get to four days on, three days off here. Yeah. And that's the goal that I'm working towards with the hotel. You know, so it's it's vitally important that people have the rest time. Obviously, the stress and pressure of the industry, yeah, you know, as, as an impact on some people, but also, so we have to be mindful and respectful of that. Of course. And in terms of the, you're not compromising anything on the flavors of your dishes and the quality of your dishes by stripping things down not at all if anything we're making the dishes better purely because there's you know the more you have on the plate the more the flavors are masked whereas now it's, it's about allowing those flavors and the product to come out um, and that's where the seasonality comes into it um, because you know you, to use stuff where it's not in season then obviously you're not it, the flavours aren't as they should be. Yeah. Strawberries, for argument's sake, for breakfast. You know, obviously we look at a breakfast buffer here, but we've now taken all the berries and all of that type of stuff off because it's just not it's not um, where we need it to be. Mm, they're not their best. Yeah. And what percentage of the ingredients that you serve here are actually British ingredients? I try and... <laughs> I don't know, to be honest. We try and look, you know, if I said 60%, 70%, yeah. That would be where we'd look to be. Um, you know, all the cheeses are British. We, we try and use the most, the best of what we can. Obviously, coming into autumn, winter time, then maybe we need to go further afield because we're quite limited in this country for the produce that we provide. You know, whereas in the spring, summer, it's more abundant. Yeah. Little topical question. Are you concerned about the rising food costs that yeah. will ensue from... from- Brexit. I think I think you know we all we all are. Even in the news today, there was a thing about the rising food costs and you know supply and demand in this country is going to push the price up in this country. You know, who knows where it's going to finish? But yeah, we have to be. And even the cheaper things or the cheaper produce that were ye- years ago are now expensive. Yeah. So there's no. As a chef now, you have to you have to be mindful of that when you're when you're constructing a dish also. So it makes it harder. Yeah. But yeah, it's definitely a, I think it's definitely a concern for this industry. Yeah. And do you think that will like the the one of the consequences of that might be an even higher percentage of British ingredients on menus? Yeah, it, it could well be. But then, are that is that going to be supply and demand, and then that goes through the roof in price also? So you know. The, I think it's just wait and see. Yeah. There's all, all this speculation. It's just like, it drives you nuts, doesn't it? So tight. <laughs> Who knows what will happen? Exactly. So can you talk us through three ingredients that are on your menu at the moment and talk to me a, a little bit about the dishes that you would make with those ingredients? Um, so we have lamb on. Yeah. Um, that's with... Uh, we do t- two types of courgette with that, basil oil traditional flavours smoked aubergine black garlic fermented black garlic 
you know, all those all those flavours that marry. But it's about when we construct that dish, it's a lovage puree. It's about the balance of the dish. So lovage is quite strong fermented garlic. So it's about how much we put on the plate so the dish is balanced. And this is something that we're training the guys to understand, you know, because anybody can cook, but it's to what degree and understanding what they're doing and why they're doing it is so important. Um, and then we have a scallop dish on with white asparagus, lychee and walnut. Wow. So that's, you know, that's just gone on. That went on two days ago. So um, that's a different dish. Um, but so far it's been received very well. Um, and then for dessert we have an apple and blackberry dessert. So uh, blackberry mousse. And then we, we use two different types of English apple. Um, and then a herb sorbet. So it's, it's really fresh and light, the food. It's not, it's not over-reduced. Um, the flavours are very light. Somebody in the restaurant referred it to as a uh, feminine. Yeah. But that's not, I, I'm all right with that because it's, it's a lightness of touch and flavour. So, you know, people leave the restaurant full but not stuffed. Yeah. And in terms of the flavour combinations, how do you design a menu to make sure that everything is balanced? Yeah, just trial. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's all about... It's all about how uh, trialing a dish, getting the balance right. It can take four, five, six times to do it. We're working on a frog our dish now, you know, and, and we just, if, for some reason, the balance is not right. It will be, we're working on it again today. And, you know, it's, it will work, but it just takes time. Mm. The more complex the dish, the longer it takes to get it right. Have you ever had any disasters where you've oh, yeah, tried but, something for months and it's just not? Yeah, there's there was one recently where we tried and tried and it's just like okay, forget it now. What was it? There's a, there's a, it's in, it was a dessert. It, um, it's peach, peach with uh, raspberry and I can't remember what the rest of it. That's how bad it was. <laughs> um, yeah, it was just we tried it and tried it and in the end you just have to say enough now. Yeah, it's no point. Is there? Have you got a favourite ingredient? No, I, I don't think there's a favourite ingredient. I think it's, you know, I try and use, and we may bring dishes back over time, but then change a the garnish or change, you know, the concept of the dish. But it's, it, I don't think there's a favourite ingredient. But having said that, I like working fish. Um, but if that, that's probably the best ingredient that I like working with. And the rest just falls into place, you know. Yeah. Do you still get time to eat at other chefs' restaurants? I haven't been out since starting here, no. <laughs> and that's only because of the time. You know, once it settles down here, then, yeah, I'll go, and, I'll go out and eat in more restaurants. Or what do you like to eat when you go out? Um, it, it varies. It all depends on the mood. You know, you can go to a tapas place, you can go to a Michelin star, go to a pub. You know, it doesn't... There's no real... There's no real genre of restaurant that I like to go to other than, you know, if it, if it's something that I... Invariably, when I'm choosing a restaurant, it's just somewhere where I'm interested to see what they're doing. Yeah. Where's the best restaurant you've eaten at in the past? Well, not since you've joined, because you haven't been out, but before that, in the past uh, Martin year? Martin Berry's Daisy, that was a while ago. Um, Claude Bosses was very good at Babendum. Yeah. Um... The um, geranium in Copenhagen was very good. 
you know, it, it, for me, sometimes it's good to go abroad and see what they're doing abroad. Yeah. Italy, Spain, you know, Scandinavian countries, those type of things. And when you eat out, do you, is it, you know, is it a pleasurable experience or do you find yourself thinking about, oh, I wonder how, you know, I wonder how they did that or this technique or this ingredient? I wonder what that is. No, I think, yeah, you, there's a little bit of that. But when you go out to eat, then you go out to eat to enjoy it, you know, and it's, and it's a pleasure to go and eat at restaurants. You know, and, and just try different foods, different, and see different techniques and styles. You know. Yeah. Do you still think that some things can surprise you, having worked in so many Michelin star restaurants? Oh uh, yeah, I think yeah. I you know the day it doesn't start surprising you, then then what's the point? Mm-hmm. You know, you go to a restaurant with an open mind, and and you sit there and you enjoy it. You know, there's no. I don't go with any preconceived ideas wherever I go, whether that's a pub or, you know, a brasserie or a Michelin star restaurant I think you go and you go to enjoy it you know um, but yeah it's, it's nice if things surprise you I think yeah what about techniques and sort of plating uh, cooking and plating techniques that you use in the restaurant is there anything that you've started doing since you joined here or you know that you've learnt recently that you enjoy doing at the moment I wouldn't say so I think this, you know when you put a dish together and you put it on a plate, you know, again, plating, we can try something two or three times. Plating is plating. My plating used to be so precise. Yeah. Whereas now it's a lot free uh, and it's more natural looking, which I think, again, is the sign of where I'm at as a chef and more confident in, in you know, being able to do that. Um, I don't think there's any particular style or, or technique that I use at the moment. That may develop over time. Um, as we get further into menus and bits and pieces, you know, as well as having a uh, more of a fuller team. Yeah. And do you encourage in your team using innovative sort of techniques? Well, yeah, yeah. We, you know, the guys will come to me and say, well, what about this chef or what about that? Or, you know, I have an idea for this. And, you know, I think it's important that the guys in the kitchen can come and say or come and have an opinion or an idea. Whenever we put a dish on the plate, we always get the guys around to taste whoever that is, you know, whether that's a commie or a pastry chef. Yeah. I think it's important today that people can um, express an opinion because from that one opinion, you may see something that you didn't see or they may bring something to your attention, you know, that you haven't seen. Um, when I was a commie, or that, you, you never got that experience. So I think it's important for confidence that we can do that. So for people that don't know much about you, you started... You know, you started your career quite young and in food you found an outlet that you'd never found in academic studies. Is this something that you now want to pass on to to a younger generation? And how do you go about that? I think, you know, I, I recently went back to a school, my old school, where yeah. it first started for me. And um, to be able to give something back, you know, to school a, a school that helped me massively whereas there's a lot of schools that are taking stuff out like that mm. and that's deprive could, could deprive a, a kid or a child or whatever you know an opportunity that they could express themselves in a different way and i think that's so important that people look at that um and i think it's definitely something that i i'm a firm believer in and and a, a big, I'd like to push it a bit more, you know, because without that, I don't know, you know, 
it helped me massively because I didn't, I, you know, confidence at school, I didn't have much confidence because I struggled. And it was like, okay, you know, the teachers thought I was stupid and X, Y, and Z, as it's been well documented. But this was a, an avenue where I could, I felt, you know, at ease and that I was okay. You know, even if it didn't work out, it was something that I could do or that I enjoyed doing yeah. and learning. Whereas academic, I hated it. Yeah. But do you think that you've now got to a position in your career where you're able to pass that knowledge and love for the industry on? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, you ask the guys in the kitchen, we're constantly training and pushing and all of that. And it's so important today that they understand the importance of training, um, learning and understanding the profession. Yeah. You know, because there's a lot out there where they don't learn the profession and then they come unstuck later on down the line. Yeah. You know, I was 32 when I took my first head chef's job. Okay, that was probably slightly late by about three or four years. But I'd been at the Manoir for three years and it was okay. I was all right with that. And would you say that you're... So you're happy in this position and you see yourself being here for an extended period of time? Yeah, I'm very happy here. Um, you know, I'm very honoured and grateful to be here. You know, yeah. um, like we said at the beginning, to follow in the footsteps of the chefs that have been here in the past and to hopefully match what they've achieved in the past will be, you know, a big delight, you know. Yeah. That the capital has so much history in its hotel and its F&B outlets. You know, so, um, yeah, I just think, I, yeah, I'm very grateful. And I, and I think the time, for sure, it's a long-term project here for me. It's yeah. not a short-term one. And it's one that will take time for us to make to get it to where it needs to be. Yeah. Staffing-wise, as well as um, front of house and, uh, you know, the whole aspect of it. So it's, you know, and I'm, and I'm relinquishing or relishing the chance to do that. Yeah. So is your own restaurant off the cards now, do you think? That's yeah, it's done. Ship has sailed. Yeah, yeah, it's done. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. It's, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Now, hypothetically speaking, if you did have your own restaurant, how similar would the food that you serve here be to the food that you'd serve there? I think it would be the same because that's the style in what, that's my style. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, I don't think that would change. Yeah. So a message to anyone who may have tried to open their own restaurant, you know, that's not that's not closing any doors for you and it shouldn't be closing any doors for anyone else. No, no, not at all. You know, and, you know, I would have rather have tried yeah. than not to try and then to wonder. Whereas I've tried it, I've been through the pain barrier <laughs> <laughs> on a number of things, you know, and it's, but I think if somebody has that ambition, then they should follow that ambition. Yeah. Um, I followed that ambition and it didn't work out for me and I'm, I'm, and I'm okay with that, you know. If I hadn't have done it, then you know I'm I'm here now. So this is this is my home, as I call it. Yeah, brilliant. Well, thank you very much thank for taking the time. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed this interview. And if you have any comments, feel free to tweet us or comment on the post. Uh, we're making all of our interviews available to download. And finally, if you like what we do, whether it's our podcast or our videos or even our features, please head over to our Patreon page and support us there. <laughs>